You are now listening to Talkin' Hockey with Jack Bushman and Tony Janaris. Talkin' Hockey, real Blackhawks insight. Up everybody and welcome to another episode of Talkin' Hockey. I am Jack Bushman here with my partner Tony Janaris. Tony, how are we doing tonight? Hey Jack, doing pretty well. How about that All-Star weekend? Yeah, uh, definitely a, a fun event-filled weekend. We saw uh, Patrick Kane, the lone Blackhawks participant, uh, kind of make a big impact, but we'll touch on that a little later. Um, so today is Wednesday, January 29th, and the Chicago Blackhawks are currently still on their 10-day NHL All-Star break, but since our last episode, uh, the Hawks played their final three games before the break, winning the final game of the Canadian road trip before coming home and beating the Jets, but then falling short to Joel Quenville and the Panthers in Q's return to the United Center. So, Tony, the Blackhawks currently are 24-21-6 through 51 games this season and sit just three points back of a playoff spot. How do you feel about the Blackhawks and their current position in the standings uh, here in the NHL All-Star break? Blackhawks, they're still technically in control of their destiny at this point. Yeah, um, I could agree with that. Yeah. Um, they, last 10 games, they went 6-4, and four, not bad. They kind of fell flat before the All-Star weekend, though, against the Panthers. Yeah, that was a tough one at home. Yeah, so let's see if they can try to get back on their feet and head it in the right direction now. Yeah, they did win uh, five in a row before losing that game to the Panthers, so we definitely have seen an improvement in the last month or so in just the Blackhawks' overall play, and hopefully they'll begin to get a little bit healthier here in the second half. Uh, Yeah, as you said, puts them in a position where they control their own destiny, uh, it's definitely going to be tough as there's a lot of teams in the mix right now in the Western Conference. It's really close. But it's going to make for a lot of good competitive hockey. So I'm definitely excited. Uh, I feel like we were just getting to see the Hawks playing their best hockey before the break, which kind of came in at an infor- unfortunate time. Mm-hmm. But Connor Murphy spoke about that actually the other day, uh, and he said he thinks the, uh, the break would help the team get some rest for an important stretch uh, in the last couple months here. So, yeah, really excited to see the Blackhawks in their final 30, 31 games of the season. Uh, it should be exciting, um, you know, especially that, you know, we, uh, they've made progress in the last month and a half, like significant process in a lot of aspects of their game, just um, playing better team defense. I think I saw this stat where they've allowed two goals or fewer seven times in the last nine games. So their defense is finding some consistency, Tony. Yeah, and it's it, great to see because Leonard was doing a lot of it by himself, and now he's finally getting some contributions from his teammates. So things are definitely looking up. Yeah, the goaltending has been great all season, but now the defense is finally making some strides. Uh, hopefully the offense will just get better as Dylan Strom comes back. We're finally getting Saad and Kajula back. Uh, maybe Andrew Shaw just kind of remains a question mark. Uh, but it sets the Blackhawks up for an opportunity to uh, potentially make the playoffs if they can, uh, you know, play some strong hockey and continue winning some important games here in the second half. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm staying pretty optimistic right now. I like the team's odds. They're only, let's see, they have 54 points, and Arizona and Vegas have 57 points. They have the two wild card spots. Yeah, so we're right there, and we were rolling going into the break. Hopefully uh, nothing changes, even though the Blackhawks do have 10 days off before their game Saturday against the Coyotes. Uh, But recapping the Blackhawks' final three games before the NHL All-Star break, last episode, 
we previewed the game versus the Maple Leafs in Toronto, and both of us agreed that we thought that game would be a bit of a shootout, and that proved to be correct, Tony, as the Hawks went on to win big by a score of 6-2. to two. Jonathan Taze led the way with two goals and two assists, and how about Dominic Kubelik scoring? A goal-of-the-year candidate knocking a Taze chest-high pass out of midair past Anderson. That was ridiculous. That was possibly the, my favorite goal of this whole season. Yeah, I could agree with you there. Um, it reminds me kind of, I don't know if you remember this, I think it was uh, Hosa. I know it was Hosa, but I believe it was against the Lightning where he caught the puck out of midair and dropped it like halfway down and just batted it out of midair. I don't know yeah. if you remember that yeah. at all. But it kind of reminded me of that moment. Uh, but Kubelik just seems to have the magic stick as of late. Uh, he's up to 21 goals on the season. That's crazy. Um, he's been a beautiful surprise for the Blackhawks. Yeah, you can't ask for any more from this guy. He was you seriously can't. He wasn't expected to take off as quick as he has, but everyone's glad he did. Yeah, he's been phenomenal, and I hope uh, if the Blackhawks, whether they keep Drake Jewel on that top line or Brandon Saad eventually goes back up there, I hope that top line uh, stays hot. Taze has been really good as of late. Kubalik's yeah. been ridiculous, uh, and their efforts led to another impressive road victory by the Blackhawks as they dominated right out of the get-go, as a guy I just mentioned, Drake Kajula, scored 21 seconds in to set the tone. Uh, and the Hawks kind of carried that momentum over into their matchup versus Winnipeg as their success in back-to-back games continues. I don't know what it is about back-to-back games in the Blackhawks this season, Tony, but it seems like for some reason they always bring their best when they have two games in a row in that second game. Yeah, you think it would be the opposite, but I'm not going to complain. Yeah, they. I think they're uh, nine and one or eight and one in back-to-backs this season. One of the two, uh, but it was another good start from the Blackhawks. Alex Nylander and Eric Gustafson scored in the first period to give the Hawks an early two nothing lead. And Tony, we've actually seen some better play from Gustafson lately. He has three consecutive multi-point games heading into the break. Need to see more of this from Gustafson in the second half. Yeah, offense is Gustafson's bread and butter, and we haven't seen much of it this season. So it'll be interesting to see how much he'll pitch in towards the end of the season now. Yeah, he's definitely been a disappointment so far this season. And uh, if he wants to remain on the Blackhawks, if that even is going to be a possibility, he has to continue uh, doing what he was doing before the All-Star break, and that's producing from the back end for the Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, But it was another great opening opening 20 minutes from the Blackhawks. And later on in the game with a 3-1 to lead, Patrick Kane registered his 1,000th career point with an assist on Brandon Saad's goal. What a moment for Kane at the United Center. For uh, What an incredible accomplishment. Hell of a career from Kane. Uh, super excited to see him go forward. But what a moment that was. Yeah, it, it was awesome to see. And it was nice to see that his parents made it out there. Actually, I, I don't think they did, sadly. I think I read something. Oh, sorry. I meant uh, the, for the ceremony, not the actual game. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They made it for the ceremony. But, yeah, unfortunately, I think I read like his dad wasn't able to make it, which kind of stinks. Yeah, to but, the actual game. Um, glad to see that Kane got to have that moment at the United Center at home. Uh, it almost kind of seemed like fate when it didn't happen in that 6-2 to two win like in Toronto. You know, like if the Blackhawks put up six goals, usually Kane's going to have at least two points. And he He's going to have his, one that, his fingerprints on it somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So it, it was kind of seemed like it was set up to happen at the United Center. Uh, so that was awesome. And it was uh, even better to see that it occurred at a Blackhawks victory. So it was their fifth in a row. Big two points over the divisional rival Winnipeg Jets. Um, but unfortunately, the Blackhawks weren't able to uh, keep their winning streak heading into the break. 
The five-game winning streak came to an end when Joel Quenville made his return to the United Center. And in Q-like fashion, of course, he and the Panthers get the last laugh with the 4-3 victory. It, it was a good moment to see Q back at the United Center, but I just kind of had the feeling there was no way we were going to win that game. Yeah, it just based on how they started the game, you just didn't really think they had any chance of winning. The Panthers were hot coming into that game, too. They had won five games in a row heading into that yeah. game as well. So it was a battle between two hot teams. And, yeah, as you said, unfortunately, the Blackhawks went down 3 nothing and 4-1 to in the second period behind a hat trick from Frank Vetrano. Uh, and a key part of the Blackhawks' success during their five-game winning streak was jumping out ahead early. And, Tony, they weren't able to do that last Tuesday against Florida, and I think that's what really cost them the game. It's basically impossible to come back down three goals in the third period. Right, and that's basically been the case for the whole season. For some reason, they're just slow starters. Um, and like you said, during the winning streak, when they actually were winning games, they had early leads. Um, so it just seems like they're going to have to get those early leads going again if they're going to have any shot at the playoffs. Yeah, that kind of seems like that's what needs to happen. The Blackhawks need to score that first goal. And it, it was unfortunate to see that uh, something we saw a lot in the first couple months was the Blackhawks having like a 10- or 15-minute interval where just the hockey was horrendous. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened in that second period. They allowed all four goals there in the second period. Um, so yeah, that, that just kind of stunk to see from the Blackhawks because they had been so consistent, uh, especially getting that lead. And yeah, as, as I said, it's hard to come back down three goals in just 20 minutes. Uh, the Hawks did make a nice push late actually though, to make things interesting as Kirby doc led the charge. Uh, he had a hell of a backhand goal and then he also had a primary assist to set up Kane with Leonard on the bench for the extra attacker. So doc, he, he was, uh, better uh in the last couple games before the break there and that's good that's good to see that he's finally getting the finished product and putting points up in the stat sheet yeah before the all-star break he had three points in the two games leading up to it so maybe he's starting to catch on fire yeah we've touched on the subject a lot this season where you know doc's not getting the numbers that a lot of people would like to see um, but we both have agreed that he's not playing the rock brand of hockey. He, he's been mm-hmm. pretty good for the most part and, um, as an 18-year-old or now 19-year-old. Um, you know, you can't expect too much, even though he was drafted third overall. It's not like guys like uh, Jack Hughes or Capo Caco are exactly lighting up the league either. So right. it's just kind of clear that all uh, three guys are just underdeveloped at this point. And the skill is going to come, but it's just a matter of uh, time and the right development. So... Uh, but, yeah, good to see Kirby finish uh, before the All-Star break strong with three points in his final two games. Nearly led the Blackhawks to a comeback against the Panthers, but unfortunately the Blackhawks fell short in the final moments. Uh, we also saw Jonathan Taze's six-point, uh, six-game point streak come to an end while Kane was able to extend his streak to 11 with a late goal. Kane's point streak is currently the longest in the NHL, actually, with 11. Um, he just continues to absolutely dominate and even when uh even that game against florida he didn't really generate all that much but in the final minutes still with uh, the extra man he finds a way to uh put you know put up a goal and continue Mm -hmm. his point streak um i don't know who knows how long you think this one's gonna go (laughs) that's a good question yeah you you never know with him real i yeah as long as he's getting ice time he's probably gonna produce something for you so there's any chance he could get double digits going here again? Yeah, I, I'm excited to see uh, 
especially if uh, Dylan Strome comes back and gets healthy. Excited to see where the Blackhawks are going to have Kane in the second half of the season. Um, but yeah, Kane continues to be excellent. Uh, unfortunately, the Blackhawks weren't able to come up with a victory against Joe Quenville and the Panthers uh, to head into the All-Star break strong. But it was their first uh, loss since January 9th. So it had been a while since they had dropped a game uh, in January 9th. Well, that's uh, on my memory. That reminds me of something I wanted to talk about on today's episode, Tony, which uh, is the recent success of the Blackhawks' third defensive pairing of Slater Cuckoo and Olimata. Uh, the first game they were paired together was uh, January 9th. That's why it reminded me of it. But those two have played really well ever since Cuckoo has returned to the lineup consistently, with the yeah. Hawks going 5-2 and two in those seven games. Well, Mata and Cuckoo combined for six points in a plus 13, plus minus rating. Some pretty crazy numbers there, Tony. Yeah, that's pretty unexpected. Are they their best line right now, or best pairing right now, would you say? Uh, honestly, I, I've done some research on their advanced stats, and based on those numbers, I would definitely say uh, in those seven games from when Cuckoo came back into the lineup before the All-Star break, they were by far the Blackhawks' best defensive pairing. Uh, they led the Hawks' three D pairings and basically all the advanced stat categories. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, according to Natural Stat Trick, which is the website I use for most of the advanced stat numbers, Mm-hmm. Um, Mata and Cuckoo have the best Corsi four percentage of any Blackhawks defensive pairing with a hundred plus minutes this season at 55%. Wow. Yeah. Pretty interesting. And over the last seven games, they have just over a 62% Corsi rating. So then they've also been on the ice for eight goals for, and just two against, like they've been really, really good in those seven games together, solidifying, yeah. I think the Blackhawks third defensive pairing. Yeah. As long, like you said, they're generating points and they're not giving up any points so you you can't really expect too much more than that that's great yeah it's incredible that we're finally getting some um just steady consistent play from the five and six spot kind of two spots that have been juggling with defensemen throughout the season uh, especially with injuries and all that Mm -hmm. um but yeah I can't say enough about how integral these two have been in the Hawks success uh, and it's honestly something that enough people aren't talking about. Those two have been really good, both offensively and defensively. Um, and, you know, hopefully they'll be able to keep that rolling in, in the second half. Um, mm-hmm. But as we talked about, that that makes it an interesting uh, situation um, because the Blackhawks earlier this afternoon, some breaking news, they recalled Dennis Gilbert from the Rockford Ice Hogs of the American Hockey League after he was sent down to get some games in while the NHL club was on the week-and-a-half break. And Gilbert just appears to be the seventh defenseman right now with the success of Cuckoo and Mata. What are your thoughts on the recall of Dennis Gilbert, Tony? Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Um, I'm not really sure what their development plan for him is going to be. Um, Sitting on the bench, he's probably not going to get much better. And I don't know, it's kind of confusing. What do you think? Yeah, I, I was surprised by the move. Um, I, I kind of thought they were going to go with a guy like Ian McCaution, who doesn't really right. need to play every game and can be all right in the seventh defenseman spot. He's got some NHL games under his belt. Um, but at the same time, who knows? You know, Maybe Mata and Cuckoo struggle out of the break, uh, and, and right. Gilbert does get back in sooner than we, we expect. Um, but I do think if 
Mata and Cuckoo are really good uh, or continue to have success as a pairing on that third defensive pairing for the Blackhawks. And I think it would just be only a matter of time before the Blackhawks, uh, or at least I hope it would only be a matter of time before the Blackhawks would send him down. So he wouldn't be sitting out more games than that. Right. Yeah. If it's working, might as well just leave it. Yeah. So uh, either way, that is certainly a situation to keep an eye on here in the coming weeks um, because that that has been uh, the sixth defenseman spot has kind of been up for grabs for the Blackhawks all season long, and it finally seems like Slater Cuckoo just kind of took it and ran with it. You know, he's really made the most of his situation. As I said earlier in the episode, uh, he had an assist in four of the last five games before the All Star break. Really good. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to get the opportunity and run with it, then I'm all for it. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely making the most of this opportunity here. Um, and Jeremy Calton actually said uh, a week or so ago that Cuckoo's made it impossible for uh, him to take take him out of the lineup at this point because yeah. he's been so good. So, yeah, um, hopefully uh, Mata and Cuckoo continue to have success there, um, been good on both ends. Um, and, uh, Tony, as we look ahead here, moving on to our next topic, second half of the season for the Blackhawks, what do you think it takes for them to make the postseason? What, what do you think needs to happen for the Blackhawks to snag one of those final spots? They need to play full 60-minute games first. Um, I think that's a big part of their problem this season. I agree. And probably probably the last couple seasons, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Their, their consistency, especially like coming out of a strong first period and then just falling flat in the second period randomly. I yeah. feel like that's been a problem for the last handful of seasons. I agree. Yeah, so I would just mainly try to try to up your focus and um, just be more consistent, I would say. Yeah, and I think we started to see that right before the All-Star break. So kind of just keep doing whatever they were doing before the All-Star break. Uh, I also think we need to see Robin Leonard getting at least two out of every three, if not three out of every four starts down the stretch because yeah. he gives us just our best chance to win. Not, not a knock on Corey Crawford at all. That's just how good Leonard has been. Mm-hmm. And I think having him in that is just our best chance of making the postseason. Um, but I think even more importantly than that is the Blackhawks just need to be better on the power play. They're currently right. 27th in the NHL at 15.6%, which is absolutely horrendous. Listen to this. The only teams with the worst power play in the Blackhawks, there's four of them. Take, take a guess mm-hmm. who they are. I bet you it, it will not take you too long to guess them. So I would probably have to say Detroit. Correct. <laughs> Ottawa. Correct. Uh, let's see. So that's two. Yeah. Are they Western Conference? One Western Conference team, one Eastern Conference team. They're both really bad. <laughs> hmm. I'm blanking on these last All two. Right. What do you have Eastern for Eastern Conference is the New Jersey Devils. <laughs> okay, that's fair. And the Western Conference is the Anaheim Ducks. So okay. four teams that are, you know, in the bottom five, bottom six. Top five draft picks. Yeah, right, exactly. So we can't be in the same <laughs> company as them if you hope to be a playoff team. Right. Yeah, so the power play has to get better. It's been unacceptable here through the first 51 games of the season. And I also think it's super important for Alex Dabrinkit to have just – I mean, he just has just 12 goals through 51 games. He needs to have a better second half. There's no excuses for what he's done so far this yeah. season. And I'm hoping that maybe a return from Dylan Strom can do just that. 
Uh, I, I found it interesting this afternoon, some underlying news by the Blackhawks only calling up Dennis Gilbert. They did not recall Brandon Hagel this afternoon. So uh, yeah. that could suggest that Strom could be ready to return on Saturday to uh, take on the team that drafted him, the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, and I'm all for it if he's ready. Yeah, I'm um, hoping. That that was a nasty-looking <laughs> ankle injury that he yeah, suffered. Yeah, that, that was really hard to watch, I'm glad, especially when I kept playing it on replay. I know, that was horrible. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad to see that didn't even cost him. I'm glad season. it wasn't more serious, mm-hmm. too. Absolutely. So, yeah, we need uh, we need to bring it to get better. He, Twelve goals is oh, for a forty goal scorer last season. I can't put it honestly in words how disappointing he's been in my mind. Right. Uh, so this season he he's only projected for fifty six points when he had forty goals last season. Yeah, I know, right? That's absolutely unacceptable. Um, and his struggles. I mean, I'm pretty sure he does lead the Blackhawks in power play goals, or at least he's tied with Kane. But um, mm-hmm. even then, just not enough for him for what he's capable of, and we know he's capable of. Even he was nearly a thirty goal scorer when the Blackhawks were terrible when he was a rookie. So for him yeah. to have twelve at this point, um, not good. Uh, but also, flip side, I think it's just as essential for the Hawks PK to remain as strong as they've been in the last two months or so. Right. The, they actually have the sixth best PK in the NHL right now at eighty two point eight percent. So. Shout wow. out to the penalty kill and guys like David Camp, Zach Smith, Ryan Carpenter, all the defensemen, et cetera, for their efforts while shorthanded this season. It's, it's made a huge difference in the last couple of months here. Yeah, I think it, it's really weird because their penalty kill was so bad last season, and now it's like total opposite. Yeah, I know. Um, you can actually rely on them. It's crazy. So I, that's a testament to all of the penalty killers and the defensemen for finally getting on board with Carlton's system. Yeah, the Blackhawks, they, they've been really good at blocking shots. Most nights you'll see guys like Connor Murphy and Ole Mata come up with four or five block shots. Um, and, and we've seen the Blackhawks have better success this season at the faceoff dot. Uh, Jonathan Taze, you know, what he's always going to do at the faceoff dot. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a top ten guy every year. Uh, but David Kampf has been really good in the faceoff dot. Uh, Zach Smith, his capability – or his ability, sorry, to play both wing and center. I'm pretty sure he's like a 48% faceoff guy, so – um, th- that's important for the Blackhawks, and it's really showed here as sixth best PK in the NHL. I wouldn't have expected that through 51 games this season. No, not at all. So, yeah, that's definitely been a pleasant surprise. Um, and I think, yeah, as I said, that's going to be just as important for as getting the power play back on track is keeping up the penalty kill because if you have a good penalty kill and you're getting good goaltending, some consistent defenses we've seen the Blackhawks get lately, they're going to have a chance in all these games. So, yeah. Um, and the best teams are a team that can do it, are teams that can do it all. So uh, you can't just be, you can't be a, a one trick pony. You can't just have a good penalty kill. You got to have good power play as well. So it's important that the Blackhawks have yeah. both those going uh, in the last 30 games here. Yeah. I think one of the biggest underlying reasons for the PK turnaround is Robin Leonard. Oh, he's yeah. No, he's been the best penalty killer more times than not this season. He's been ridiculous. Yeah, so we can only hope that he can continue this for the rest of the season because we are going to be going up against some strong teams. And hopefully not only for just the season, but hopefully for years going forward. As we would like to see him here long term, yeah. Yes, obviously Leonard is going to be a free agent come July 1st this summer. Uh, and there's a lot of talk about you know what Robin Leonard could get. Uh, and it sounds like for the first time in his career, he's not going to kind of settle or, you know, as people have 
coin to take a gamble on himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is the year where he's going to get some big money and hopefully term. And uh, cross my fingers that the Blackhawks are the team that does it. And, and honestly, it really frustrates me to see that the people are even suggesting that the Blackhawks would trade this man. Yeah, I don't really think they're in the position to trade a goalie in his prime right now. Yeah, no, that just makes no sense. Why would we trade Unless him? the return is insane, like they get a top five pick and like some other they'd pieces. Have, they'd but... have to have a top prospect like or something. Or yeah. like, I don't know. I mean, I just would not let him go. You don't find goaltenders like him every now and then. We've seen the Blackhawks go through goaltender struggles really ever since winning the 2015 Stanley Cup. So mm-hmm. we know how crucial that position is and guys like him don't come around too often. So, yeah, hopefully uh, Stan Bowman in the front office are able to get that deal done because – um, yeah, having one of the best goaltenders in the league for a, a long time would be a crucial piece to the Blackhawks' uh, retool, as Stan Bowman termed it. Yeah, um, I believe, believe Leonard's 28 right now, and all of these young defensemen are making the way up. So that's, I would say that's a recipe for success. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I saw you tweeted something the other day. It was uh, just kind of some uh, an estimation of like what you think Leonard's going to get paid oh, okay, in, yeah. in the free agent market. Um, I was wondering if you could pull that up because I wanted to definitely bring up like I think you had six goaltenders on there and what they're yeah, so getting paid. Three so of them, I wanted to kind of compare Leonard to them. Yeah, three of them were being paid the same amount uh, per season. So I just grouped them all together. Yeah, I um, So the top. Let's see how many there are. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's the top. I broke down uh, top goalie salaries. Uh, top goals or top salary goes to Carey Price. Um, he got an eight year, 84 million contract. So that would yeah. be 10.5 per season. Canadians hate themselves for that one. I mean, he's <laughs> phenomenal, but like that's a fat contract. That's a chunk of change. Yeah, yeah that's a lot. <laughs> and then recently, this past offseason, Bob Grofsky got a, a nice little uh, contract from the Panthers. He got paid. Seven years at 70 mil 10 per season. Yeah, I mean, he's really good. And he hasn't. He hasn't been that great this year either. Yeah, yeah. He has struggled for Florida, but, I mean, he, it's not like he wasn't deserving of that contract heading into the right. summer. You know, like the hype for him was real this summer. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that he got that much. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that someone was going to have to break the bank to get him. <laughs> right. I think possibly the best contract here is going to this guy right here, Vasilevsky. Um, he had an eight-year deal at 76 mil, which is 9.5 mil per season. Which that's not bad considering how how young he is and how great he's playing. Yeah, that's good term. It is a lot of money, but he's a right. really good young goaltender, and he's gonna be good for a while. God, I just feel like the Panthers are always loaded with those just like beautiful contracts. It's like the how, like why yeah. is everyone on that team taking pay cuts? Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, the, the Lightning. I I think it's probably due to their taxes, right? I, I have no idea, honestly. I'm a youngin, so I don't know about all that stuff really too much. <laughs> Yeah, certain states have that tax. I know, uh, I know. California the and Chicago yeah. obviously are really bad. Yeah, New York, I'm pretty it, sure is pretty bad too. Yeah, and then following Vasilevsky is Henrik Lundqvist. Um, he's getting up there in age, but his deal was seven years at fifty nine point five mil, which was eight point five. 
per season. Yeah, that, that one's kind of crippling the Rangers right now. They're kind of yeah, right now because he's on the end end of his career basically. Yeah, but he's a legend, so it was worth it. Yeah, I mean, even though they didn't get a cup out of it, it, it was deserved. Yeah, well deserved. I would agree. And then the the three following Lundqvist all make the same amount per season. Uh, Flurry signed with the Vegas Golden Knights. At three years for 21 mil, seven mil per season. And then Rene, seven years, 49 mil. And the last one here is Rask, eight years at 56 mil. Yeah, I think Leonard's going to get more than those three. Um, Probably. What was, uh, what was Henrik at? Henrik, he was at 8.5, did you say? Lundquist, yeah, he was at 8.5 mil per season. I'd, so I would say I at bet least that's eight. What Len, I bet Leonard gets around 8.5. I would say 8, probably closer to 8.5 would be about right. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get Vasilevsky money. Probably I, not. I, I think maybe I could see a team reaching, a team with money maybe reaching and giving him 9. Yeah. Um. But I would say about 8.5 would be fair for him. So, yeah, that's definitely going to be interesting because the Blackhawks are going to have to – they're going to have to make some room. Work around that. They, uh, they, the contracts they acquired this past offseason have killed them. Yeah, and they still have to make – you know, they still have to decide or figure out what they're going to pay uh, Dylan Strom. So right. that's, that's going to be a whole interesting situation of its own. Um, of course, the break it already got paid. Uh, he's going to be making – um, I got here somewhere written down. Debrinket. I believe it was six point four. Yeah, Debrinket is at uh, yeah six point four. You are correct for the next three years. Yeah. Um, and then the Blackhawks are gonna have to probably bring back Kajula and Kubalik. I mean, yeah, it'll be tough to let. I those, would. It's gonna be tough to let those guys go. And I mean, with Slater Cuckoo being good lately, like, do you bring him? <laughs> give him back? another one year deal. Yeah. Do you do you bring him? Do you give him the Rose of All Special, the one year classic? <laughs> Um, but yeah, at this point, if he keeps playing with it, they have to. So yeah, there, there's going to be some definitely some interesting decisions to be made. Um, Corey Crawford does have six million of that uh, coming off the books in free agency, and just mm-hmm. the as time goes on, it just seems more and more unlikely of resigning Crawford, which is sad to see happen. But the, the, yeah. the position the Blackhawks are in right now, they're just they they can't they can't afford really to resign him and pay him probably what he wants. Yeah, probably at this point, they are basically have made their mind up already, I would say. Uh, I agree as well. I think we've seen enough from Robin Leonard to know that he's a top-five goalie for sure in this league. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of, I think, whether or not we're going to have the cap room to sign him for what he could get on the open market. I think that's really mm-hmm. the only question at this point. So that will definitely be interesting to uh, take a look or keep an eye on, I should say. Uh, going forward, the Robin Leonard, Corey Crawford situation uh, down the stretch, how many starts the Blackhawks are going to give Robin Leonard as compared to Corey Crawford as the games, uh, you know, become filled with more and more pressure and become more and more important. Um, and, and taking a look at the schedule here going forward, Tony, the Blackhawks have it rough in February. I can't lie. They play at the United Center just three times compared to 11 games on the road. Uh, it's hmm. going to be a tough test for the Blackhawks coming up here in the month of February. Yeah, that's a tough task to handle right there, but they've done it well this season. They're actually better on the road. Yeah, I know. Surprisingly, the Blackhawks have been uh, really good in uh, enemy territory this season. So if they can manage to survive February and remain in a playoff race, then I certainly think they have a chance because 
moving on to March, 11 of the 15 games the Blackhawks play in March come in the United Center. So definitely um, if the Blackhawks are able to survive this road trip, that's a big chunk of their games at home in the final month of the season where a lot, you know, uh, the playoff race is really on and um, it's do or die, make or break time. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they react to their tough loss before the All-Star game. Um, hopefully you think the, the captains will rally together and get the team back on track. Um, some strong performance from the goalies, they'll need that. Absolutely. We've seen it all season. Uh, they'll need uh, the power play to step up and the PK to stay strong. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that's basically been the Blackhawks' recipe for success in recent games, and I think that's the way they're going to win uh, in the final 31 games of the season. And it all starts on Saturday in Arizona against the Coyotes, a team the Blackhawks are currently trailing in the wild card race, as you touched on earlier. Coyotes have Three points. Yep, the Coyotes have 57 points. Uh, the Blackhawks have 54. And I think it's important for the Blackhawks to come out and pick up two points on the road and set the tone for the month of February that will mostly be spent in opponents' arenas. Uh, it's a really good Coyotes team. They just got Nicholas Jalmerson, former Blackhawk defenseman, back. Um, and they play a really good defense, and they've gotten good goaltending this season from Darcy Kemper. So um, yeah. that's going to be a key game out of the break, Tony. I would really like to see them come out of that one with two points. Yeah, that's definitely going to be huge for the wild card standings. Um and I think it's probably going to set the tone for the rest of the season, to be honest. I agree. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. Um, and the two games following uh, Saturday's game in Arizona are just as important as the Blackhawks take on a Minnesota Wild team. They're currently just ahead of in the standings. And then they have a back-to-back. And the second end of their back-to-back is against the Boston Bruins, one of the premier teams in the NHL this season. So... Um, neither of those games are gimmies. And so I think coming out of the all-star break with a victory is really something the Blackhawks need to do uh, in order, as we've said a couple of times here, to set the tone going forward down the stretch. Yeah, I, I think they can do it. Um, they have the offense to compete. It's just a matter of not taking bad penalties and staying consistent. I agree. And um, I think it, it's really important for the defense to hold up as they've done lately. I mentioned earlier in the episode, seven times in the last nine games, the Blackhawks have held their opponents to two goals and under. When you're getting good goaltending and playing good defense, you have a chance to win hockey games. Even sometimes you don't deserve to be in. Um, So it's important for the Blackhawks to take advantage uh, of every game they can, uh, at least pick up a point, uh, especially on these road games coming up in February, just so that they can hang around come March when they have a bunch of their games at home. So I'm really hoping that the Blackhawks – uh, can continue their road success as we've seen in December and January uh, and, and keep it rolling here in February because that's really going to be um, the tale of the season, I think. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can start off strong in each game, play a strong 20, and then focus period by period. I think they lose their focus during the intermission. I agree. Sometimes they just and... fall flat. Yeah, I don't know what it is that makes them fault go that way, but um, it's just going to be a matter of a full sixty-minute game. Yeah, we need consistent sixty-minute games because that's that's killed us for seasons now. Is just little intervals where we let up, and uh, good playoff teams don't do that. So 
for the Blackhawks to have hopes of that. I think they just need to uh, buckle up and tighten down and uh, continue doing what they were doing heading into the All-Star break. Uh, also, Tony, before we wrap up this episode here, we have to talk about the NHL All-Star Weekend. Uh, Patrick Kane winning the first ever Shooting Stars Challenge. Kind of a unique uh, challenge there yeah. that he was part of. Really interesting. I hope they kind of do, I hope they do that in years going forward. Yeah, it was pretty cool to see that new new uh, events getting introduced to the All Star Weekend. I always think always most, sweet. Most... When Kane comes up with a win too, of course, <laughs> in St. Louis. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that was a great event, a great debut. Um, the fans seemed to enjoy it. It kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I I liked it in general. It was uh, it was just different thing. Yeah, it was different. It, it reminded me of Top Golf. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of just like an interesting idea. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I like uh, I liked it, and I liked it even more because Patty Kane came up with the victory, uh, and it was also cool to see Kane pick up two goals in the All Star game, and the fans like celebrating when the Central Division scored, and then they realized Kane was the one that scored the goal, and he's got his hand <laughs> up to his ear, kind of you know, egging on the St. Louis crowd. So it was just a fun weekend uh, in hostile environment like St. Louis. Uh, just fuels the hate even more. So congrats to Kane for uh, yet again representing the Blackhawks well and with pride. Uh, and we got to hope for a great second half from Showtime. He's on pace for one of his best seasons of his career. Yeah. And uh, what did you think about the women's game? I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was super cool too. Um, I honestly didn't get to watch all of it. I wish I did. But mm-hmm. I definitely liked that. Um, I mean, all the players seemed really into it and stuff. Yeah. So I think it was a concept that they should definitely roll with in years going forward. I liked it. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, what are your thoughts though overall on like the All Star game? Like, there's just like a lot of controversy kind of surrounding it. Like, a lot of people talking about how they hate that it's not competitive at all, especially with like money on the line. I mean, to these players, it's not like a lot of money. They split like a million dollars, like ten, eleven ways. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I've seen just like a lot of, you know, beat reporters and journalists just kind of make a funk over how can we make the All Star game better. And like, I, I don't like. I mean, I don't really have a simple answer to that question. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure how to improve it. I know um, MLB gives the winner home field advantage in the World Series. Maybe they could do that. I know. That, that's, that gets a lot of controversy, too, let me tell you. A lot of people uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely hate that rule. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, that, that would certainly, uh, especially for teams. Up the stakes. Especially for teams that are competitive. Like, imagine being on right now, like, the Bruins or Capitals or the Blues yeah. or something like that. I'd be like, guys, like, let's go here, boys. I'm, you know, I could be in game seven here. I need this at my home ice and not theirs. Right. So yeah, that would be kind of interesting. Um, I, I don't know if they would go that route, but that's technically a quick fix. I'm yeah, not really sure. Yeah. I don't know. That That's definitely an interesting idea. Um, I, I thought about like upping the money, but then at the same time, yeah. it's like, are we just throwing millions of dollars around in this all-star game? Like it's kind <laughs> of an absurd idea at the same time. So, like, I don't yeah, know if it's an easy I, fix. I don't know if they would want to go back to five on five. I, I saw an interesting idea, actually. I think it was in uh, Mark Lazarus's mentions where someone mm-hmm. suggested, I think it was, um, you have it uh, between, like, oh, man, what was it? It was, like, the four major continents where it was, like, United States, Canada, uh, like, Northern Europe and Southern okay. Europe or something. And it was, like the location of the all-star game changes every, like, you know, like every once, like every year you go and play in like Sweden or something. 
Okay. And it was like, you represent your country. And I was like, damn, that's actually like a really unique idea that I would have never thought about. That like, maybe if the guys were playing for their countries, maybe they'd take it more seriously. I don't know. But like, that was a cool idea, I thought. One idea that I thought of just now is do like NHL versus KHL or something. That would be, oh, that would be definitely a unique opportunity. Like send like just our like best players over best there. Best versus the best. Damn. I wonder what it would take to actually make that happen. To set that up. Yeah. That, that would, I don't know. That would be interesting though, I think. KH, that would be interesting to see a KHL all-star team matchup against an NHL all-star team. Like yeah. the NHL would definitely have the better stars, but the KHL doesn't have chump players over there. Like they have a right. lot of good players that come from the KHL and over. Like um, Nikita Gusev this year for the Devils. I don't know if you've seen yeah. Him a lot this year, but man, that he's like five seven, but he just speeds around everyone. He's he's I think he could be really good. Uh, he I, I'm yeah. pretty sure he actually led the world championship this summer in points, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure Gusev did, but yeah, yeah that, that would that, be an interesting idea. That might be a good idea, like NHL, SHL, KHL, something like that. Just because I mean, like, I don't know, it's just not competitive at all, yeah. It, I, it I see where, where everyone's coming from. I do. Like, I, I understand no one wants to be that guy out there that's, like, you know, battling guys off the pucks in the corner when no one's really got that mentality. Right. I mean, a little bit in, like, the final game when the million dollars is on the line, guys will go a little hard in, like, the second period of the final championship game. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's not, like, legitimate hockey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But even then, I mean, like, I feel like every sport has this flaw except for, I mean, I guess baseball. Yeah, I mean, I think baseball is probably the toughest one, the most competitive one. I mean, the NBA Finals or NBA Finals, the NBA All Star Game. There's no defense. The score is like two hundred ten no. to two hundred. It's an absolute joke. Yeah, and then I would I, say I can't tell you the last NHL, time I watched a Pro Bowl. Oh, I haven't watched the NFL All Star Game in years. Uh, I, I haven't watched the Pro Bowl in man. It has been a long time since I've watched one of those. So yeah, I mean. This isn't just a problem that hockey's having. It's kind of uh, a problem of three of the four Across major the sports. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe the MLB way is what it takes to have uh, people you know, actually competing in the all-star game, which is, you know, I think what yeah. the fans kind of want to see at the end of the day. Like there, there's a lot of fun stuff going on in the all-star game, but a competitive game between the all-stars would be sick, you know? Yeah. Like imagine seeing like a top trio of like Kane, McDavid and, you know, someone else just like, how sick would that be? Like actually going their hardest and trying to win. Like that'll yeah. be nuts, you know? So maybe that's <laughs> what the game needs. I don't know. I just thought it was an it, interesting subject tough. to talk about for sure. No. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I kind of uh, am interested to see what the NHL has in store in that department. Um, but yeah, uh, as we were talking about a moment ago, Patrick Kane representing the Blackhawks well in the all-star game. Great to see, and hopefully uh, he can carry some of that momentum over as we start the second half of the season on Saturday, Tony. Yeah, I believe he's on pace for 101, so let's see if he can keep it going. The race for 100 points. It all starts Saturday in Arizona. All right, I think that uh, just about wraps up this episode of Talking Hockey. As always, thank you to all the listeners out there, guys. It means more than you know. Make sure to give the podcast Twitter page a follow, at Talking Hockey. For all Blackhawks news and live tweets of every game. Tony, thank you for taking the time to join me tonight, partner. It was it was fun as always. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, it should be coming up here in the next week or so as the Blackhawks get back in action. Alrighty, so from Jack Bushman and Tony Janeris, thank you again for listening, guys. Go Blackhawks and make our defense great again. Peace out.